Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today I want to demystify a sort of mystery or an ambiguous topic that I hear many often people speak when they are praying allude to when they're testifying or sometimes, you know, um, borrow phrase of when they are seeking for some sort of supernatural intervention in their lives. But many a time, many people do not understand the full counsel concerning this thing. And that is the thing called destiny helpers. Some of you have heard about it, you have read about it, perhaps you've had a few ministers minister about it, but many of you don't know what destiny helpers are. So today, I came to help us demystify the mystery of destiny helpers because this is one of the most integral pillars to guarantee success in the life of men in the world of the living in this physical realm. Because the earth was created for man. Man was not created for the earth. The earth did not create man. Okay? The earth was created for man. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that the earth is for the profit of all men. Other living things as well carry their bearing and narratives, and most importantly, the earth was made for the profit of all men. You were not made to fail on this earth. You were not made to be a vagabond, a beggar. You were not made that way. In fact, if you remember when Cain had killed his brother Abel, and God says that from today, you are cast from the ground which has opened its mouth, to swallow the blood of your brother Abel. The Bible tells us, God tells Cain that you shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And Cain said, that's a heavy punishment for me. Whoever shall find me shall kill me. So being a fugitive is a curse. You're not supposed to be a vagabond, a beggar. Some of you are habitual beggars. You're begging and begging and begging and begging. You were not designed by God to be a survivor on the earth. You were designed by God to be a leader, to carry dominion on this earth. Somebody shout hallelujah. But the earth is full of people. It's full of many things. Creatures that you see physically and those you don't see physically, but were designed to your advantage and are ordered by God to make this world more comfortable for you and to put you at an age. Somebody shout hallelujah. So what are destiny helpers? 
Unfortunately, this definition is only zeroed on people, but it goes beyond human beings. A destiny helper is that person or thing which is positioned or who is positioned to help you in life because God foresaw certain milestones that you might cross and he designed somebody, a certain creature to help you go through, transcend, scale up, win, progress. And that milestone, you will not go through, win, or excel into, or meet, or cross until you're connected to that helper God has designed for you. Technically speaking, destiny helpers are responsible for your progress and your rising in life. It's dependent upon certain creatures, certain people. Why do I say creatures, things or people? It's because when you read um, the Bible, there are different kinds of destiny helpers. The most primal and fundamental one is the person of the Holy Spirit. Nobody takes that place. That's the first helper designed in Scripture to undergird and preserve your destiny, to lead you through the course of the things that might be unclear, ambiguous, or otherwise. The person of the Holy Spirit is our primal helper. When Jesus was going to heaven, he said, it's a good thing that I ascend. For if I do not go, you shall not receive the word, the comforter. He will not come unto you. But if I depart, he says, I will send unto you the comforter, the person of the Holy Spirit, the helper. The Bible calls him the helper. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. We also have angels. They are also destiny helpers. In scripture, we have seen times without number where angelics appear to men to save them from calamity, from plagues, from disease, from death and harm and terror because they understand the way of God. Case in point, if you remember the story of Joseph, an angel appears to him in the night and tells him, flee from here, for the child is going to be killed, the mother and you, if you don't go away. So we see Joseph carrying Mary out because God is saving him from Herod. Somebody shout hallelujah. So we've seen experiences also of animals. God has used animals to save men. You remember the prophet? who was on a donkey, okay, and it rubbed his foot, Balaam, I believe, because he was rebelling against divine counsel. Remember the ravens that fed Elijah in the time when he had declared famine for three years. Those are destiny helpers. But the most imminent ones defined and spoken of in scripture are human beings. Like I said, these are for your progress, for your advantage, to help you go through some of the milestones God has designed in your destiny that you should go through if you should live according to his will and purposes. Likewise also, they can be responsible. Human beings can be responsible for your downfall. They can be responsible for your destruction. There are many people here right now who can agree with me. 
that some of you, the distractions you have right now in your body, in your business, in your marriage, among your children, are people to whom you open certain doors to. You agree? Some of you are damaged. Some of these damages are reversible. Some of them might not be reversible, depending on the kind of damage and how you see life. But notwithstanding, you can allude to that individual who you opened up to and they are responsible for your failing or falling in life. Like again, you can look back and see that some of the successes or some of the most defining marks of your life have been through certain individuals, isn't it? That you can look at your education and know that a certain individual is responsible for my education. You can look at your job and say, if it wasn't for this brother, I would not have a job. You can look at your marriage and say that it was this person that introduced me to the woman I'm married to. It was this ministry to which I went to pray that evening and then I found the woman that I'm married to. Clap for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So in that regard, some destiny helpers, now I'm going to emphasize on people most, are dispensable, some are indispensable. Some, I mean to say, you can do without, but some you cannot do without. Because some milestones in your destiny are not as important as other milestones in your destiny. And that is why you must lay more emphasis to honor, to celebrate, to preserve and under God the things that are primal or indispensable in your life. For example, why does the Bible say, obey your father and mother, that it may be well with you? Because by design, they are the helpers that brought you in this world. You're never going to change that. You're never going to redesign that. You're never going to undo that. You're never going to have any other. They might not uh, be in your lives. They might not be the greatest examples you have ever seen, but the fact that you are alive and they are the channels through which God used to bring you on the earth, you should treat them with honor. Somebody shout hallelujah. Some destiny helpers are short-lived. They might come or will come in your life only for a while in a season or a time because you need them to open a certain door of access to you and then they will go. But some are long term and they might have to stick with you over for many years. And some are eternal. They are those you will need until the day you leave this earth. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Be not deceived. There are people in this world you will need until the day you leave earth. Why? Because with them, God has sort of knitted certain things together by design and purpose. For example, marriage is designed to have a partner until the day you leave this earth. God hates divorce. Oh yes, some of you have gone through divorce and separation. I sympathize, I don't judge you, I understand. But my point is God has not designed life that way. Some will be below your rank. Because spiritually we are ranked. Some might be in the same rank with you. And those are people you call peers. But some will be in ranks higher than you are. And it takes great wisdom to know and design those people. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you think that there are no helpers 
below you. You're mistaken. Some of you think that there are no helpers with your peers. You're mistaken. Some of you take men or women which are above your rank as peers because you share a familiar story. Maybe your brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. Maybe you, you know, you play football together. So you think, ah, this is a peer. Yeah, because somebody plays football with you, it doesn't mean that you are equal in the spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, verses 17, it says, iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, I'm reading the Amplified Version, to show rage or worthy purpose. Iron sharpens iron. So the countenance of one man sharpens his friend. In other words, like I've said before, number one, to affirm the call of God on your life, you'll need these three things. You will need a voice of counsel to instruct your destiny. God has not designed three or four, five. Those are resources. But there will always be that one source distinctively marked by God, designed by God to set you off in life. Paul says you have many instructors, but few fathers. Are you following what I'm saying? For he says, through Christ, I have begotten thee in the gospel. So I'm not saying that you'll not have men and women who along your way will be resourced, but there'll always be that voice you will trust in life and say, that if this one speaks to me, God is speaking. If you don't trust that one, look for one you can trust, but you should have one you trust. You understand? You should have one you trust. Because that's how God has designed. Read the Bible from the beginning to the end. You'll find the Ahithophels. You'll find all these kinds of wise men, the prophets that walk with David and the like. All of that to the end is that God has designed a voice that will guide you, especially in the course of your purpose, in your service towards God. And I'm talking to those of you who are not just church attendings, but you are at the place of transitioning to the ministry of serving God. You know, the Bible says, the fivefold ministry, you have some or fourfold pastors, prophets, evangelists, which be teachers, right? For the perfection of the saints, for the work of ministry, to the edification of the body. But you see, the word there is for the work of ministry, to the edification of the body. The body is edified, the body of Jesus Christ is edified because you are perfected to the work of ministry. All of you are sitting in the church that one day you will be perfected for the work of ministry. If you're not serving God, I'll assume you're just young. You need time to grow. If you've been in the gospel for 10, 15 years and you're not serving God, check yourself. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? So, you get that one voice that instructs you. You understand the course designed in your mandate and assignment and you understand the field where you're to serve. You understand what I'm saying? You understand the field where you're to serve. For example, when you look at Paul, he says he was a preacher, a teacher, and a what? And an apostle to the Gentiles. He carried three officers. Of course, I've had some theologians say, oh, you cannot carry two officers at a go. But Paul carried three. He was a preacher, a teacher, and an apostle to the Gentiles. You see? Now, that apostle or teacher or preacher is his calling. Are you following what I'm saying? But he had a field. 
and the field was to the Gentiles, the uncircumcised. Somebody shout hallelujah. There was a point of reference for him in the church in Jerusalem through a man called James. If you read the Pauline story, you realize that they all allude to one order of submission, which was the church in Jerusalem through one James, the brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you following what I'm saying? So to know your calling, but not to know your field is a dangerous thing. Where to serve? Or to know your field and calling, but not carry a voice of counsel in your life, it's also dangerous. Like I said, that is now for the calling. But like I said, to guarantee success in life, you need three things. Again, I said one, you will need certain people in your life. Again, destiny, helpers. Two, you will learn or have to learn the patterns and principles that are designed for success in the world of men. These are laws that govern any man who will live a successful life. Number three, you must design the seasons and times. And I've told some that some of you miss the seasons and times. Yet, you understand the principle. Some of us understand the seasons and times, but we're indifferent to the principles or the people that we need to take us there. Now, this is generically success. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the continents of his friend. And verses 18 says, whoever tends the fig tree shall eat its fruit. So he who patiently, listens, and faithfully guards and heeds his master shall be honored. He who patiently and faithfully guards and heeds, he guards and guards and listens to his master, that person shall be, what? Honored. In other words, you cannot attract honor if you don't have mastery. And you cannot gain mastery in this world without looking to a certain individual. There's always somebody in every aspect of life who has gone before you. There will always be one. You might be a greater version of him, but there will always be one. Every new birth on the earth has been designed to be as a result of an old wound. Ecclesiastes says that which is, was, and shall be. It's just, a, you know, a pattern repeating itself over the years. Of course, greater glories, the glory of the latter church shall be greater than the glory of the former, but they were all glories. The former one was a glory, the latter one was a glory. That's why Samuel, even at the point when God was speaking to him, God had to speak like Eli. Even though God had disconnected from Eli, but Samuel needed the voice of Eli because there was no way God would speak otherwise because he has carried his presence off Eli and the candle has burned out in the temple. He does not break principle even when he has judged a man. He could not disqualify Saul immediately even though he had carried the anointing of the kingly off him in 1 Samuel 16 and put it on David. Saul still stayed king in office of king because he knew much as he had appointed David with the anointing of a king, David carried no wisdom of the office and he needed to wait that out for David to learn how the office of a king works because it's not just enough to have the anointing of the king. To carry a university degree of MBA, right? Business administration or master's degree in business administration does not presuppose that you know how to run a business. Those are two different things. That is why we have what they call naive meritocracy. We have folk who have not gone to school 
and they are making it so big in business. And you have folk who have master's degrees in developmental studies, but they can't even develop their own clothes. Because the anointing of a king, much as it is needed, it only carries its completion. The sword is double-edged and the balance is made perfect when the man finds the experience and reconciles it with what you've learned. There are people with degrees in business, but they've never worked. Ten years, never been employed by any man, yet you have a business head. Are you following what I'm saying? You need both in Jesus' name. Say, I need both. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, it says, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. There are people God has put in your life because he knew you're going to land in trouble one day. <laughs> and those are the people you might need. I've seen men whose lives have been destroyed, not because they are bad people, but because they polarized in the times when they needed to build the most important relationships. What is polarizing? It's that point where you isolate yourself and you're like an island. You think that you can make it through life alone. You don't need any man. And then one day you land in trouble and eat humble pie. And that is why if you're the kind of polarizing version, every time you come to people, you remind them that you only come to them when you have problems. When you're alleviated from these troubles and you're healed from certain challenges, when there's money in your pocket and there's food on your table, they'll never see you anywhere. You're your own superstar. And then when you land into trouble, you look for them. That is not friendship. That is manipulation. And some of you are like that. You're only in people's lives when you have a problem. Have you known those people who call you when they're broke? Only when they're broke. They can't say, Iba, how are you, sister? How is life? I miss you. Oh, at least, okay, try to act a bit. Pretend. But some of you, you only look for people when you're in trouble. When you're out of trouble, you ditch them. Some of you can't keep friends. You know, you can tell a man by the kinds of friends they keep because it takes a very disciplined life to keep a relationship. Very disciplined. Some of you, your oldest friend was last year. Last year. Last year. Let me tell you, study a man who can't keep those relationships. And I'll tell you a man who is stuck in a certain area of life. Now, that one is not delivering service. It has no formula to go to and raise your hands because a prophet is going to declare a prophetic word to move you from point A to point B. No. This is a principle broken that you must learn how people live. Emotional intelligence. I know you have your IQ, intelligence quotient. We can reward that against your education and how you scored 80 and 90% or 100 in your education. But when it comes to living with men, you must know the art of relating with people. Some of you, even your neighbors, your enemies. Yet the Bible tells you to make peace with them. Some of you enemies with everybody. One time I was talking to somebody and they told me, I hate people. Ah, I just hate them, Apostle. Said what? I don't like people. So uh -huh, you want this place where you're isolated from all men. That's a man lucky. That's a man wanting. That's an indifferent person. There's something not right. God has created men 
in this world to relate with you a certain way. You should or may not have everybody, you know, as friend. Oh yes? But there are people you should be able to count on and say, in this life, if I need to talk to this person, there's an individual I can call. But some of you don't have any. You've polarized. I've seen ministries that have polarized. They might be gifted, but because they are polarized, when they scandal, when they struggle, nobody can come to their help. Not because people are bad and indifferent to them, but because they've built a life where they're their own God, their own ministry. They think they're the greatest thing the world has ever seen and nobody comes close to them. Nobody's... <laughs> if you begin life that way, you're in for a great fall. It might come 20 years, 15, 4 years, 4 months, but eventually comes. There are people, the Bible says, who are born for your adversity. God knew that you land in trouble and he brought somebody in this world because he knew when that trouble comes, that person will be alive. Are you following what I'm saying? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, the Amplified Version says, Therefore, encourage, admonish, exalt one another and edify, strengthen and build up one another just as you're doing. You build up each other. That's a place of destiny helping. But here is the pain. When you read the Bible, you realize that even though certain men and women were anointed by God deeply, there are places they could not cross. There are things they could not circumnavigate through. There are circumstances or experiences they could not go around through, even with the anointing on their lives. Until God appointed a helper. And I can give you example upon example. Who remembers the story of Moses? Moses was called by God to lead the children of Israel to the promised land. God's choice minister. But then he forgot a fundamental instruction of circumcision. And God almost slew him. He was almost judged to death until a woman came called Zipporah who saved his life. For Pharaoh, there was a Joseph. For Israel, there was a Moses. So some are not just destiny helpers of individuals. Some are destiny helpers of communities. Some are destiny helpers of nations. Some are destiny helpers of continents. But whichever way you call them, God has appointed certain people for certain people. Naomi was appointed for Ruth because she was the guiding light that led into Boaz. And consequently, that's the womb of lineage that we can connect of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jonathan was a destiny helper to David. Abner was a destiny helper to David. You remember there was this Egyptian boy one time David was trying to locate the Amalekites and he could not locate them. He needed to kill them and destroy them. But there was only one little boy who was an Egyptian who knew where they were. If that boy was not in David's life, perhaps the story of David like we know it would have changed. One of the priests called Zadok, one time when his son Absalom had turned against him and he had won the hearts of Israel against his father David and they sent him running and he fled out of Israel. The only man, one of the men who continued to believe in him and helped him through that process was a man called Zadok, the priest. And the word Zadok also means one that imputes righteousness because Absalom, in trying to accuse his father of whatever he did, and in fact, when you read scripture, you realize he brought back the Bathsheba story. He brought back the Bathsheba story of killing Uriah and taking over his wife called Bathsheba. So Israel judged David. 
that there was one man anointed by God to continue imputing righteousness on David because in spite of David's weaknesses, he was still a man after God's own heart. By the way, separate people's actions from their heart with God. I know that's a hard one. Some people are struggling, but they really love God. And it's only a matter of time. You saw when David made that mistake and repented, he never went back because true repentance always comes to the heart that loves God. But God sometimes calls us to be patient with those people because they can be restored. And if they're restored, they can do so much for the kingdom. But some of you, somebody wronged you in 1992 and forever you're never going to talk to them. I know people who are so unforgiving in life. So unforgiving in life. They seem like they're so perfect. But I've realized when you study them, these are people who are so self-persecuting. Uh, they are so um, self-judging. Uh, they judge so much of themselves that that pours into judging others at the very measure with which they judge themselves, especially people who are perfectionists and those more so who are unbalanced in the things of the Spirit. Some people are perfectionists, but they are balanced in the way of the Lord. So with that, there's some sort of healing. But if you find that imbalance, if you anoint them in 2013, they will never speak to you you're still that person. Even if you change and you're the most converted person in the world, to them you'll always stay like that. But this is good news. God doesn't see us that way. I say God does not see us that way. You go into the times of Paul and there was a Barnabas. When Paul had just converted, so Paul, yeah? When he had just converted on his way to Damascus, and the scripture tells us that there was a man which opened his eyes, which was also a destiny helper. One of the most fundamental pillars in the help that Paul needed is a man called Barnabas, which was a son of all consolation. This guy was the fellow who caught Paul on the hand and took him to Jerusalem and asked them to embrace him because the church in Jerusalem had refused to embrace Paul because of the history that he had in destroying many other people. But Paul also had people below his ranks that ministered to him, Aristobulus, Onesiphorus, Onesimus, Luke, and all these other people. All those people were destiny helpers. He needed them because God had designed his journey to be that way. Some were short-lived, some were long-lived, and some people in your life will be the same. Somebody shout, hallelujah. And then, because we don't understand the wisdom of God in how he has designed life, some of us are struggling suffering, paying prices in life because we were indifferent at the point when our divine helpers were availed by God. Either we did not see them as divine helpers because maybe they came in the picture of a peer or simply maybe we even knew that they were people of high rank but we had a character and sort of um, upbringing and some are even because of how you're brought up in your own families that never knew how to harness greatness, never knew how to receive from another man. Some of us who were inflated with pride, some of us who were simply ignorant because we did not understand the way of God and the prudence that should come with that. Some of us, we were immature. Some of us, we were deceived. And because of that, you have shifted many things concerning your destiny. Many things in life are not reconciled because you abused 
misunderstood, disconnected, disregarded the help God had sent you through a certain individual. There's a portion of scripture I've already spoken about, but I've never taken time to really go down to dig it deep. And allow me to take some time to dig it. The Bible says in Proverbs 21 verses 20, this is something you should never forget. He says, there is treasure, listen, to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. There's treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Whenever you stand next to somebody wiser than you, greater than you, richer than you, more influential than you, more distinct than you, more furnished than you, more provided than you, more advantaged than you, more progressive than you, more increased than you are, more multiplied, more planted, more established than you are. There will always be something for advantage in your life to align your destiny to the next level. Some of you should listen to a sermon I preached in COVID called how to stand before greatness. Because I've seen people who have messed up their lives and there is nothing in heaven for a prayer that can be made to correct this course until they come to this understanding and prudence required for them to reconcile with the wisdoms that are necessary to do the right thing next time. Nothing by prayer in that realm can fix it until they carry this wisdom. But I have seen people who have destroyed their destiny is a great while. Some have lost five years. Some have lost 20 years. Some have lost 15 years. Some have lost 30 years. Because when they sat in the dwelling of a wise man, they could not connect to the treasure within that person. When they sat next to a seed which was great, they could not connect to the oil in the dwelling of that wise man. God has said, when you sit around somebody who is wise, when you sit around someone who is anointed, when you sit around somebody who is more advantaged than you are, there will always be an anointing available to be extended to you. That is why they always tell you that you are the average of the five people you hang around with. You look at the five people who are your best friends. You're the average of those men. You're the average of the five closest people you have. Why? Because you cannot reproduce beyond the anointing you sit around. You cannot multiply beyond the glory that you associate with. God has not designed life that way. He has not designed life that way. And then you sit next to the wise and you're speaking more than the wise. You see, that's a sign that you're unstable in some sort and you're not qualified to stand in certain places of influence, power, and affluence. When you stand next to somebody who knows more than you do, don't speak. Learn more. Because once you're filled, you'll have the qualification enough to speak when you have to speak. There'll always be an altar. There'll always be a provision, a platform, a sort of channel that will elevate your voice to a place where you're able to speak when you have been qualified enough, when you have gathered enough. But you see, some of you don't even have a place of gathering. You just have a place of speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. You're sowing seeds in places where they're not needed because they're not beneficial. You cannot feed a man with a higher rank. 
No. Sit down and let them feed you. Sit and learn. If you feel that he's not the man, look for a one higher, but there'll always be one higher for whom God has designed that when they pour, you're the one receiving. It's just designed that way. But I've seen men, as they're pouring into them, they also turn to the hands that are pouring and then they pour into those hands. As a sign of pride and indifference. That is why the next line in there says, but a foolish man spendeth it. I want you to note the word used there, spendeth. Spendeth. Because there is no wisdom in this spending, it's wasted. You get my point? Who is following what I'm saying? The man here used the word spendeth. The fool spendeth. You remember the prodigal son? The Bible says he asked for his inheritance from his father. And when he asks for his inheritance for his father, he goes afar out of the country, spends it like a fool. And then when he spends it like a fool, he go to a place where he lost it all that he started eating the boards of pigs. And then he says, oh, but in my father's house, actually even the servants eat better. This man had to go back to his father's house, not as a son. He thought in his head he was going to go back as a slave because at least the slave in his father's house was more advantaged than he was. That is a man who spent as a fool. And God says, if you don't know how to connect to your destiny helper, every moment you did not receive, you spent foolishly. You call that which was holy common. And the Bible says in Proverbs, verses 20, 25, he says, it is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy and afterward vows to make inquiry. You're the same person who is wasting what is holy, who is destroying what God has designed in your life for your advantage. And you're the same man going to stand a plea before God and ask him for a blessing that you wasted in the destiny helper God had anointed for you for your advantage. He does not work that way. You can pray and fast and shift everything, flip trees and that on yourself, go in sackcloth and roll in ashes. You are breaking a principle that you're not going to be able to reverse because you know how to pray. This is not a realm of prayer. This is a realm of wisdom. Don't spend foolishly when opportunity comes before you. There are people I know who are broke right now because they spent it. At one point, somebody entrusted you with a business and they said, run it. And then you sat in this thing and started living large. You are on your computer 24-7. You're playing solitaire on the man's computer. They are paying you money. You're wasting. And at the end of the day, they are saying, you know, what have you brought in? What have you sold? Nothing to yourself. And then they fire you. And when they fire you, at the end of the day, you start saying, in Jesus' name, I'll get another job. So what are you telling God? You're telling God to hire you with a nasty attitude and an indifferent one to work. And you expect him to take you from one level of glory to another level of glory because you know how to quote scripture. <laughs> The Bible says that if you're faithful in a man's business, God will give you your own. Everything you're faithful into is preparing you for something that will carry your name and print frequency in the spirit. That means everything you have worked for, you have the opportunity to own. Everything you have served right, you have that door. It's open. There is a gate in the spirit that is open to you. There is some sort of portal that is designed for you to own whatever you have ever worked for. That's the power that takes us from one level of glory to another level of glory. 
If you worked in a bank, you can own a bank. That's what the Bible says. If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? That is the power of manifesting whatever God has designed in your destiny to see. Many of you, you have had spiritual miscarriages of what God has designed concerning your destiny. Why? Because you frustrated what was potent. You treated as common what God had ordained as holy. You never knew the difference. And then you're asking yourself why nobody can hire you. To go back to that little nasty attitude that wastes even where you are not supposed to be wasting. How do you enter your employer's workplace? That's his dwelling. And then you open a tap and wash your hands and walk out. Oh, but it's not a big deal. Oh, yes, it is. Because every ounce of water falling into that sink is money. And that means you don't care about your employer. These things, let me tell you, no prophet or man of God from South America will come and prophesy on your life and progress you with that kind of indifference. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? Some of you frustrated the voice of counsel. Nobody can talk to you. Nobody can advise you. Nobody can speak into your life. Nobody can tell you that, woman, this is wrong. Everybody in the world is wrong. Everybody in the world knows less than you are. Nobody can talk to you because you think by becoming an adult, you exonerated yourself into a liberty wherewith no man can speak into your life. And that's immaturity. He told Peter, I think it was Peter, but it was in John, when he says, when you were young, you went wherever you wanted. You did whatever you wanted. But one day you'll grow up and you'll stretch up your hands and another man shall guard you and carry you in places you don't want to go. He says, you were, when you were young, you went wherever you wanted. It's immaturity to think that the liberty God has designed on your life carries no accountability. Some of you think that you are as free not to be accountable to someone. And yet God tells you it's in the interest of your maturity for you one day to be controlled by another man because that's how God has designed maturity. If you're not ready for that maturity, then you are anti-Christ because the law of the anti-Christ world is do what thou wilt. You do what you want. You're a free human being. It's in such liberties that you have seen some of the most moral decadences and depravities of the human soul like you have seen of the things that are happening in Europe and America and everywhere now. They can't even define a man they can't even define who is a woman. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Because somebody just wakes up and they feel like they're an animal. And you have to respect it. No, our liberties carry boundaries. Don't be mistaken. God has not designed us. Otherwise, then why aren't I free to feel like anything I want and be it? Do you understand what I'm saying? 12-year-olds are going to feel 40. Will you refuse them to get married? Because they feel like they're 40. 40-year-olds tapped up in 12-year-old bodies. You see what I'm saying? Are you following me, child of God? But back to what I'm trying to say here. There was a point where you had an opportunity by God and God sent somebody in your life to advance you or advantage you, but you were blind. Maybe you were too emotional to be patient. You know when the Bible says that when the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place. 
Do you know why some of us do not speak even when we had the right to speak and the words to speak? Because sometimes we looked at the price of living our positions in the spirit because we wanted to carry cheap wars with men who are indifferent and carry no connotation with our destiny. And we chose to keep our positions. That kind of silence is not indifference. That kind of silence is not guilt. That kind of silence is because we know and understand the principles that govern all the people that come along our lives. If somebody poured you out a cup of tea once, and they fed you and housed you, they might turn against you one day. But if they do, never rise against them. If you know that in your story, they have ever planted a seed on you, because in trying to rise against them, you might destroy every essence that defines your frequency in the spirit realm. And some people do not know that. I can't fight my father. I can't fight my mother. She could be wrong, but she's my mother. I've seen children who talk to their mothers. Oh, who are you? And you know, I've seen people who talk to their fathers because your father has done this and then you think you can talk to them the way you want because you're free to talk to them the way you want. Yeah, and, and somebody boasts, I told my mother you're this. I told my father you're that. I'm like, ah. Okay. My father knows up to today he can slap me and I'll do nothing. Because for so many years he knows I don't leave my place. That doesn't make me weak or anything. I have understood this simple principle. There are certain people in life you will never touch, should never touch, however wrong they are. However wrong they are. Because that thing can undo you for many years. That the time you have to come back now to rebuild your life. Now I know some of you think that by speaking in tongues you can confuse a divine pattern. No. Now you have adopted this acronym, pray until something happens. You're going to be indifferent and pray until the business comes. It must work. It must work. No, the Bible says, yielding pacifieth great offenses. In this instance, I don't want you to pray. I want you to yield to the order and laws that govern the discipline I expect of you because of the seed of greatness I've placed on your life. The seed of greatness I've placed on your life. It's like you switch on television and then this guy is 50 years old or 60 years old. He's speaking sense, but he's also using perverse language. And you say, but at this age, you cannot use a certain language because it does not befit the anointing of God on your life. Oh, I don't care. And then I've seen men which could have led continents failing to even run their own homes because they don't have the right tongue and you think you can pray yourself out of that, you can't pray yourself out of that kind of stuff. You only have to carry the wisdom to know how to deal with certain people and certain things. That is why I tell married couples, one day, and God forbid, if you should separate, do not create wars that are going to destroy your children. If you share the history with that individual, and at one particular point you had a love relationship, if it fails by the fact that they could have added something to you or on your life before this war came, God expects you to even respect that little seed. That little seed. That little seed. That little seed. Some of the people you're dealing with were maybe at one particular point richer or greater than you and then somehow you made it in life and you know you supersede, you grow, you evolve and make it faster and higher than they are. But if at one particular point you stepped on their foot, to go up, if at any particular point you sort of sat on their shoulder in a week or a month and they helped you transition from one door to another door, 
even when they turn against you, don't leave your place. Because you're telling God that I can actually frustrate any destiny helper coming along my way. You carry the pride that makes you think that you can mess up people's lives and still have a reconciled world. You're sowing wrong and you expect to reap right. That's not how life has been designed. That's not how the way of men was met. I'm trying to help somebody here. There was a person in your life, if you look back, that you should not have treated the way you treated. And it could have been a maid in the house because she's a helper too. And then you treated her as chaff. And now the world is not reconciling and you think that you're going to go on a prayer mountain. You can't fix such things on a prayer mountain. You fix such things by understanding the heart of God and understanding how he works. And understanding how he works. I went to school and I was sharing with my wife, people who I know, even teachers who I knew were judged because of how they dealt with certain students. Some of you, if you're in school, you know that. Some people grow with a covering on their lives because they are not just students. They are not just fellow classmates. They are not just people you go with, you know, to a certain place. No, God has put a certain mark on their lives that one day you're going to need them or they are going to need you. They are going to need you, whichever it is. But you must keep that world open such that at a time when you need somebody, they are not only available for you, but you'll get God's best through those individuals. People have spent, you have spent some of these things every day. And those are the very things you're asking God to give you, yet you spend them every week. Or you fight them every week. I've seen men who fight the very thing they're asking God for. Every day of their week, they fight the very anointing they ask God for. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're fighting the very thing you need every day. How do you wake up at your workplace and just go to frustrate another employer? And we have Christians like that. I'll make sure she leaves this company. God has created you to advantage men. I tell my people, don't stand in the way of people's progress. If they are falling, get out of the way so they can fall. Don't be the very block that knocks them or trips them over. That's not how God has called you to be. I have seen people who I knew in life. But if that man lays a hand on that man, his life can change. And I know it because I'm a man of God. I've seen it. There are people I know that all that person needs to help them get out of that trouble is a certain man whom God has anointed with that grace to take them off. But either they have their old stories or they're indifferent or they're enemies with that individual or you understand or they are proud. Like I said, the polarized thing that makes them think that they don't need anyone. Let me go on the mountain to look for. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was sharing with somebody recently that I told them, if you are looking for something that God has not put in your proximity, you have the right to cross certain territories to go and pursue it by God because it's wisdom. Do you understand? But if that thing you're pursuing has already come within the realm that you're in and you don't carry it, it means some man is seated on that throne and he's a gatekeeper of that particular realm. You might not locate them, but they are somewhere in the world in that proximity. 
You understand? It's like how when the Lord designed nations, I was sharing with somebody and I told them, He accorded the number of nations as He had designed them. The Bible says, when the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, He separated the sons of Adam and He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. In other words, God has anointed certain people above certain territories. That's how the spirit realm works. And some men are hard, the women are hard in certain territories where other men are not. Some men or women in the world are gatekeepers of certain territories where certain people are not. And you might go in those territories and speak and command, but you're not going to be heard like certain voices because there is a process and pattern that has put them on some of these thrones. They're elevated in frequency, in opportunity, in authority, in system, in structure, in every distinctive mark that integrates divine purpose. It's on them. Do you understand? And they just need to say one thing. It's like a man right now can go in the office of the president of Uganda right now and your destiny changes. Am I lying? Why? Because he rules in a realm. You just enter two minutes and he tells you, what do you want? And you say, I want this. And then he makes a simple statement and it is signed. Something you've not worked for, sweated for, you know, done anything for. You just make one statement and he can sign a little document like this that can change your destiny forever. Because it has some bearing on this realm. You understand what I'm saying? Now, the Bible has taught you how to deal with people in power. Because all power is ordained by God. And whoever resists the powers, resists God. You resist the ordinances of God. You might disagree, but you must know how to disagree in wisdom. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Now, if a man, a man can just sign a document or say a statement right now and change the history of your family like they know it, if he can sit in his office in a meditation of two minutes and appoint you in an office that forever is going to enter the history of your nation. If there are people with that kind of power and they breathe oxygen and live and eat like you do, you must have wisdom. And that's him. But there are also other people appointed in certain ranks and certain territories. They might not lead or have power like he does, but they have power to certain things. The earth that you're standing on yields its substance and fruit to them in a very distinctive way. When they stand and face south, south has a way it responds to them. When they stand and face north, north has a way it responds to them. You cannot abuse that kind of power and think that you're going to climb the mountain and import a glory that God has already brought to your proximity. It's not possible. That's not how God works. You understand what I'm saying? If what you're looking for is not within the ambits God has designed, the territories that you're living, that's okay for you to pursue it. But you waste time to take a flight to look for what God has put on your back door. Because you don't understand how he works. Are you following what I'm saying? I'll not listen to this one. I'll listen to the other one. Go listen. Go listen. Elon Musk, I think one of the richest men in the world. Yes, perhaps what he has might not be here. You can learn something from Elon Musk by reason of being a billionaire in dollars. But before you become a billionaire in dollars, you must firstly be a millionaire in dollars. Look for one who is a millionaire in dollars. It is pride to think you're going to jump the rank of a millionaire and wake up a billionaire. That is madness. That is not how God works. From one level of glory to another level of glory. You can't even afford a hundred million shillings. But you're studying Elon Musk 
more than the man who has made hundreds of millions in Chikubo. You're wasting time. First make those hundreds of millions, make your first hundred million, make your billion, then make your first million dollar, then after making your first million dollar, then look for a billionaire. Look for a billionaire. When you were born and your parents took you to school, because of desire and a smart brain, you didn't go to primary seven. You began in your primary one or pre-primary. And then you had to learn the ABCs and the one, two, threes. Why? Because God has not designed you to wake up a success in one night. It's not that way. Even Jesus couldn't do it. You're not going to be the first. From 12 in the temple, how many years to the time of 30? 18? Nobody can explain what that boy was doing except the Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature, in favor with man and God. That's all he did for 18 years in wisdom and stature, in favor with man and with God. Destiny helpers. He knew how to attract the favor that he needed. Jesus needed favor with man. He said, I don't need anybody in this world. Mama, 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 mama. Start. You are designed for failure eventually. It might take 20 years, like I said, 15 years. But one day it will show for what it is that you are indifferent to the purpose or pattern God had designed. Begin with the next. Don't dream of Lamborghinis before you learn how they buy a Toyota. I don't know who I'm speaking to. Yes, and before you drive a car, respect the one who has a Toyota. It might be shaky, but it's a Toyota. It might not be painted, but it's a Toyota. You're abusing your father's house, how he built badly, yet you're still in his house. Huh? Oh, that is not serious. How can you put a small window? <laughs> no, I even see people who don't own houses criticizing other people's buildings. Mm -mm, but this one, no. The shed was small. Uh, 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 the parking. How can you build a big house in a small parking? Brother, brother, brother. Shh. What do you have again? I live in my mother's boys' quarters. What? I live in. Eh! Shh. Shh. His house is not painted. His house is not painted. His house is not painted. For you have not even laid your bed in your father's house. You have not laid your bed in your father's house and you're here judging a man for not painting the house he built. Banangi, banangi. Somebody help me. Somebody help me here. You are abusing everything for success and progress. You can never judge a rank higher than you. God has not designed it that way. No law in the universe or otherwise judges laws higher than it. You follow what I'm saying? You cannot judge a law higher than you. If you're fourth dimensional, you can only judge third dimensional realities. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not married and you're judging a man how he runs his house. No, you first run yours. But otherwise, don't confuse revelation with experience. Don't. 
Don't. You might just carry revelation, not wisdom. Wisdom is experience. Hey, so that woman, look at how she's treating the man. Nambasa. Not real names. Not real names. First, maintain a man for two weeks. And then your man comes out shining like a Lamborghini. Then we shall say, aha, numbers are teach. Paul says, I cannot preach anything save which Christ has wrought in me to make the Gentile obedient in word and deed. Until you do it, you carry no authority to teach it. You carry no qualifications. Sit down and listen from one who does it. I don't know who I'm helping. I have always told you the spirit realm is designed with positionings. And where positionings are, they are destined to help us. Wherever gates are, wherever portals are, they are destined to help us. In whatever realm you're going to ascend to in life, there will always be a man you'll find with a throne. Look for the man on the throne. Some of you, I don't know whether you watched the movie Black Panther. There was a chief uh, captain of the army, a lady, who made this statement when they were trying to delude her, you know, from her service and course. And she said, I serve whoever sits on the throne. There's wisdom there. Some of you never get these things because you just entertain. She said, I serve whoever is on the throne. In other words, whoever is enthroned in a realm, that's the one you pursue. And when you get there, that's the treasure to be desired and the oil in their dwelling, serve it, you'll see. Everything you serve, you'll always attract. Everything you serve. You know? But some of you demand service from realms that you've just entered. You're not even familiar with how they are patterned and designed. And you know, the spirit realm is funny. The Bible speaks of men which stumble into sin. Much as it is designed that some people can stumble into things, like Isaiah one time is praying, and then he enters a conversation where God is saying, who shall we send? Oh yeah, thank God that he was available enough to be sent at the onset of a conversation he bumped into. But then you realize now there is a process of helping his tongue, aligning his heart, you know, redefining his experiences and vision and elevating it to the place where God would qualify it enough to use it. Of course, he does not charge away the heart that was available and willing because it accessed realms that many men were not accessing when there was a need of heaven because there's always a place for available men. But availability does not presuppose preparation. And whether you want it or not, you need the reconciliation of a prepared spirit and your availability. Because if you don't, you will not be as fervent and precise as you ought to. Am I helping somebody? So, leave life with a very disciplined mind because your next door could be the person you're seated next to. Your next door could be the person you disrespected at the door when you're entering. Your next door might be that usher who can't even afford a deodorant. I am telling you the truth. Your next door might be somebody hanging out those flyers. Some of the people who led us back in the days, who were our leaders in the work world, a man comes after many years and says, they are taking my thing, please help me. 
but he never knew that one day I would stand in a place of advantage to help him. Some of you have burnt all of those bridges and you're fasting for 40 days. No, fix this. You might as well break your fast and fast for another thing, but not progress and success. Fix this, carry the wisdom to do this. Carry the wisdom to do this. I told you when I wanted to make my first million dollar, there's a man I just used to sit next to him. In fact, one time I even gave him a seat and he said, you're not the one supposed to give me. I'm the one supposed to give you. No, oil in the dwelling of wise men. We are talking, but me, I'm saying, Karonda Zogaduba, Ko Satalakoti, Ko Zebra Dega Sontala Katoya Balekata, Koreba Dega Zo. And then when I saw it, I said, Okay, thank you, Lord Jesus. Now I'm waiting for the billionaire in dollars. I want to make another one, my friend. <laughs> Somebody shout, Amen. But some of you, all your best friends are people you share bands with. No, I'm not saying don't keep them. Keep them, but look for something that will improve your version. Serve it, put it in your rank, attract it, watch it, shoe or tire, whatever you have to, but win the attention of a greater one. You'll go find life. <laughs> they assembled on this ground. One time they did something so provoking in my spirit. And then I called my wife in the office and that person. And I took off my ring and I told this person, wear this ring. And they wore it. And I told her by next year, at this month, you'll be married. The ring was simply a point of contact. There's nothing that my ring is anointed. No, no, no. Some of you think some men of God carry rings with anointings. That's not us. Anointings can't be carried in metals like that. That's witchcraft. But it was an act, a point of contact. I said, put on this ring. I told her, as you have worn this ring, so by next year, this month, you will be married. And I asked my ring back. And that next year, that very month, that person was married. Why? Because in the people God knew concerning this person's destiny, I was the voice to command her destiny into marriage. Now, that's why I said, some things come that simple. Perhaps maybe she could say, let me pray, let me fast. No. It was on a man's words. There's a couple here, 13 years, no child. They came to my office and I told her by this time, next year, I'll be carrying your child in my hands. 13 years. In just weeks, they were carrying a baby. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, they were going to some church, but that's not where their answer was. I don't know how God has designed life. If they had met me 13 years before, maybe the narrative might have been different. This is what I want to pray for you. Some of you, by the way, messed up the people who should advantage you. I want to ask God to give us another chance because he can. He owns the eons. We have all made mistakes, including myself. I'm not an angel in this. 
But in this evening as we are praying, I want us to pray and say, God, if I messed up at Destiny Help, give me another opportunity in either bringing that person back or bringing a like anointing back in my life and give me the wisdom to know how to deal with it. You can make that prayer and God can hear it this evening. But also number two, that God gives you the grace to know the people whom he has designed for you to help, for you to open for, for you to establish and invest in because we are blessed to be a blessing. Raise your hands and let's speak to God. You are all glorious. Speak to Jesus. Three minutes of prayer. You are all glorious. My heart is in my soul. Mercy. You are all glorious. You are all glorious. You are all glorious. My heart lends frustrated every destiny help the person of the spirit the angelics on our charge the men and women that you've designed to advantage us and advance us in this course of life you're a merciful God you're a forgiving God and I feel right now you make right many broken destinies 
I feel right now in the name of Jesus that you're reconciling many things that were out of course and misaligned. There are people right here in this congregation that have been living in an altered world. Things have not been happening in their own time and in the seasons they were designed because they frustrated the voices that God had sent to reconcile these alterations. And that's why things have fallen apart. They're broken in many ways. But we, God, have received that wisdom tonight. And I pray, give us another chance to do right. You own the ages. You're the God who owns our days. You know how to reconcile things. The Bible says you restore the years that were eaten by the caterpillar, the cankerworm, the eater. There are people here who have lost many, many, many years because of grave mistakes. But you are before a God who can redeem time and restore. May God restore you. May God rebuild you. May you carry that love and conviction from today that God has not judged you. He's on your side. He says as you had set yourself against course. You live in a reconciled relationship. The Bible says that we carry the ministry of reconciliation. So God has not been, you know, in bad terms with you. It's you who has been in bad terms with the principles designed by life and God. But today, by wisdom, God restores you. He rebuilds you. He reconstructs you. And some of you in the next few weeks, few months, few years, you're going to see your world coming back together. Even the things that were broken are going to be rebuilt because that is the God you serve. Give him a mighty, 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 mighty. Come on! Because it is done. If you're sick in your body, I speak healing. I speak healing. I speak healing. Father, I bless you. Because the greatest days are ahead of us. The greatest weeks are ahead of us. The greatest months are ahead of us. In Jesus' mighty name. Let me do one more thing before we get out of here. If you're here and you say, Apostle Grace, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to receive him as my personal Lord and Savior. Best decision you're going to make. Now, put your hand on your heart and say, Father God, I thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. I have heard your message today and I've believed that Jesus died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Today, I receive you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. Only you has the power to help me and I commit my heart and life to you the rest of my days. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999-400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.